0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere. Playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I really
2: like, I kind of cut my teeth on producing new work. We started with a series called Work in Progress, me and my fellow producer, Molly Heller, um, which was more of a salon style, informal space for people to really bring things that maybe they wrote the last note of yesterday or they wrote a new draft of it two days ago and wanna want to show it off in front of people. It really is more of a of a take take a beat, take some pressure off of yourself and just test things because that I feel like that's a space that we don't get is a space to make mistakes and maybe something doesn't go the way that you want it to but now you have that valuable information to go back and be like, that didn't go so well, let's figure out why.
1: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Built for the Stage Podcast. This is Joe Roscoe, founder and host of Built for the Stage, Broadway's number one fitness platform with clients in over 20 Broadway shows, stages across the globe, Australia, the West End, national tours, uh, collegiate stages across the country, regional theaters. If you need help marrying fitness and theater together to enhance your abilities on the stage, check us out, builtforthestage.com. Thanks to our producing team, the Broadway Podcast Network. You can check them out at bpn.fm. All right, let's get to it. Special guest as always, really excited about this one. Uh, We cover a lot about performing and life as a performer, all the things, and we're going to get into that. But we're also going to get into producing own works and how you can be inspired to get something that's stirring with inside of you actually onto a stage So, really excited to talk with our guest. Uh, She recently just uh, released her first album. Um, We're going to talk about that. And, uh, yeah, she's been on the stage at 54 Below maybe 100 times within the past couple of months. She's just crushing it. Uh, She has another concert coming up uh, February the 2nd where they'll be doing some uh, Jonas Brothers tribute songs. You know, just rocking out to some Jonas uh, Brothers tunes. But she also has other concerts that she's helping produce with new musical theater works that uh, hopefully will be uh, seen on stages very soon. So without further ado, stop rambling here. Please welcome our next guest, Vaibu Mohan. Hi, Vaibu. Hey, Joe. How you doing? Welcome to the show. Please uh, let us know where you're calling in from.
2: Good old Manhattan. Where else?
1: All right, Manhattan. I'm over here in Astoria, Queens. So not too far away. Um, let's jump into your album, like right out of the gate, because it really did draw me to reach out to you and just have you as a guest on the show. Um, we were chatting a little bit before we press record. First, like, how did these songs just kind of stir up inside of you? Have you always been a songwriter, and what gave you that? Uh, courage, if you will, to just make the plunge to produce your own album?
2: Yeah, um, all great questions. I'll see if I can answer them in a, in a linear format. Um, I don't think I ever considered myself a songwriter until I was maybe a junior or senior in college. Um, I had to leave my undergrad experience for a little bit. Um, I was not having the best time. As a performer, so I went away to the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center in Connecticut, actually, for about six months, and was kind of forced into doing everything. I had to take classes on directing, on set design and costume design, on lighting, on producing, um, and on composition. And I had never really considered myself a composer or a writer, up until then, but I totally got bit by the bug and came back and started writing like mad. Um, this album in particular is really my pandemic baby. We started writing it in June of 2020, me and my collaborator Rhea Rofsky, as kind of a just an exercise to keep our brains sharp and keep our all the tools in our toolbox. Um, like greased and ready to use when we needed them. And it really did just snowball from that. I think that Naika mixtape was really a labor of love. It was a way for me to get my friends into a room and we really didn't think it was going to go anywhere. And then I just sat down and thought, it is an opportunity for me to be able to at least give my friends something in a time when all of us were hurting so badly artistically, creatively, financially. Um, So we decided to bump it up to the next level, applied for the bunch of grants, reached out to a lot of people who I knew before from my own artistic practice. And there were so many people who donated um, money to us, which is like a huge win and all of these grants that we got. So it was completely self-funded and self-produced which was really not something we were anticipating, but we're very fortunate to have been in that position. And yeah, the Naika mixtape is based on a concept from Indian classical literature called the Ashtanaikas, which translates to eight heroines. And in my research, I just noticed that a lot of the work in the lexicon that already exists from hundreds of hundreds of years ago up to modern times have mainly been written by men or is attributed to men, and it seemed weird to me that these um, these works about women in every stage of their life, from like very, very young women to much older women, and the conversations that were being had about love, about sex, about relationships, were all being filtered through the lens of how men perceived women to be. So we kind of wanted to take a first step towards rectifying that and hopefully give women a place to like see themselves a little bit more authentically a little bit more honestly in all of the good bad ugly complicated ways that we exist yeah
1: cool um when you were going through this process how did you have someone that you could lean on that had been there before i'm asking this question because i know a lot of our listeners might have Similar aspirations to what you've just accomplished, and yeah, you know, it it seems so far away when you're at the very beginning. Can you can you go back to the beginning just a little bit more and kind of zoom in on on maybe who you leaned on or what resources were really valuable to you? It does
2: seem so far away. I agree, Um, but I was really really fortunate in that my best friend uh, Mario Iniguez, who is an amazing musician. And also is in a band and had produced albums before with his band, had self-produced, and knew the process inside and out of, like, the nitty-gritty of negotiating percentages and registering with the right distribution company so that you actually, like, after a certain number of streams, get paid for your work. Um, And that entire, all of the back-end process, he also... Is friends with a lot of people who are audio engineers who have, who are also amazing musicians. So he and I basically contracted between the two of us, all of the performers and all of the musicians through people that we just knew and vibed with and knew would come and like deliver their absolute best. And I would say that that is the most important lesson that I learned is that if you don't Vibe with a person 100%, you are not going to have a good time, especially in a studio setting. Studios are so hard. Um, it is notoriously difficult to make music in a studio. And it's even more difficult when it's a pandemic and everyone is afraid of so many things other than the fact that you're just in a studio and vulnerable. So that is one of the biggest things I learned. Another person I leaned on is um, my boyfriend. and. Uh, business partner, Greg Palladino, who is an amazing music director. And he orchestrated and arranged basically the entire album for us. And I, there is no way I could have gotten through it without someone who knew musical theater inside and out and knew how to orchestrate for musical theater inside and out because that's such a hard job. <laughs> it's a disgustingly difficult job. Um, and he knocked it out of the park. So those two people... Really made the process so easy, and we all learned a lot of valuable lessons together.
1: Awesome. Well, we'll make sure to put the link to uh, the Nyaka mixtape in uh, the description of this episode, Spotify, Apple uh, Music. So if you want to check that album out, I encourage you to do so. Uh, I took a listen before uh, our interview here, and yeah, I'm I'm into it. Let's uh let's segue into you being back at or or in grad school right now, right? I, I saw that you're in grad school, yeah?
2: I am. I am at a, the NYU Graduate Musical Theater Writing
1: Program. And how another, <laughs> you're just really checking the boxes. This is another kind of like, in my eye, because these things go through my head as well, is another thing that seems daunting, you know, to like, okay, I'm going to take this plunge and and get get into grad school, you know, and, and do the thing. How did how did that go getting started or is it easy for you? Maybe it wasn't difficult. How, how was that if it did take courage to like take that plunge?
2: Oh, Lord, it was not. I wouldn't say it was easy at all. I was such a baby writer when I applied to um, when I applied to NYU. I had only written one one act musical. Um, exactly one. So it was such a, and like maybe a couple of assorted songs here and there. It was really scary to go up to these people who like bred um, Tony award winners (laughs) and all of these people who I had looked up to my entire life and be like, me please. That's a really, really scary thing to do. And to be like, I am also worthy of being here and being able to learn. But that is what, got me through it, was remembering that I was not going there to win a Tony Award or whatever, or to be the next big insert thing here. I was just going there to be me and to learn. It is an educational environment. So for anyone who's thinking about applying to grad school and is looking at the roster of alumni and is like, ah, no, (laughs) not for me. um, Just know that all of those people also had the exact same reaction to it. You're going there to learn. So it's okay. I think it was the best thing I did in the pandemic though. Um I got accepted to grad school the same day I was doing my showcase for like my undergraduate showcase in New York. And it was such a blessing to have that in my email inbox and to go in there and have a I mean have a good showcase, sure, but then 2 days later everything shut down and I had a backup plan. So it was like yes the mourning, the grief, the scaries, all of those things, but also knowing that it's like, I have this thing. I don't know how it's gonna pan out, but at least I have something to do. So yeah, and it has been a truly invaluable experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything.
0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Do you have a preference or something that you favor as far as, because you're wearing these multiple hats uh, as performer, producer, writer? Is there anything that you've already decided that you're going to dial in on? Or are you just kind of going where the wind takes you?
2: I think, um, I am going to go where the wind takes me, but something that I've discovered about myself in the past two years is that being a producer, especially when you're a woman, especially when you're a brown woman, is a seat of privilege that not a lot of people get. And I take my position as a producer very seriously because you get to build your own community and you get to bring so many people along with you which is something that you don't necessarily see when you're a writer, when you're a performer. It's like your circles are smaller. But when you're a producer, your circles are infinite and always expanding, and you can always bring more people into your community. So I think that's something I really respect about being a producer, and I take incredibly seriously, is the fact that I now have a responsibility to keep expanding my community. So... That's just something that I'm going to keep uh, working on and working towards.
1: Yeah, I think I've cited this book like a hundred times throughout the podcast, but there's this book I love called Never Eat Alone. And basically the concept is, oh, you know it?
2: I love that book.
1: Okay, yeah. If if you're listening and you haven't heard me redundantly talk about this a hundred times over again, if you haven't heard Never Eat Alone, basically like, hey, if life's about who you know, why wouldn't you want to know as many people as you can, and just the value of relationships? Um, so I, I love that you know you're you're talking about that. Uh, speaking of producing, you uh, let's see, you did four concerts in six months at fifty four below, and then we were chatting before you recorded, uh, before we started recording that there's a couple of musical theater works that you're working on producing as well coming up. Can you give us any like insight or uh, early information about, about that coming up?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I fell into producing very much by accident, um, and it's just something I've completely fallen in love with. So I'm I'm really thankful to spaces like 54 Below who are willing to take chances on young producers and then are willing to take chances over and over and over again. Um, That is a, that is a real gift. So I, I tip my hat to venues like 54 below and programming teams.
1: To to interrupt, to interrupt, tip your hat to yourself because if the first couple didn't go well, they wouldn't have asked you back. So I'm sure you're doing, (laughs) I'm sure you're doing a phenomenal job.
2: (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yeah. I really like, I kind of cut my teeth on producing new work. We started with a series called Work in Progress, me and my fellow producer, Molly Heller, um, which was more of a salon style, informal space for people to really bring things that maybe they wrote the last note of yesterday or they wrote a new draft of it two days ago and want to show it off in front of people. It really is more of a of a take, take a beat, take some pressure off of yourself and just test things. Because that I feel like that's a space that we don't get is a space to make mistakes. And maybe something doesn't go the way that you want it to, but now you have that valuable information to go back and be like, that didn't go so well. Let's figure out why. So that is kind of where work in progress grew from. It was really, really successful. People really love it. We're planning a few new iterations in the coming year. Nothing in stone yet. But at 54 Below, there's this lovely series called the New Musicals series, which is when um, someone or a team or whoever who has written a new musical can come and present that show in any format that they'd like. So uh, two of my friends, two teams of my friends, have written two new musicals. One is called And She Runs, which were producing on February 11th, and one is called For Show, which we're producing on February 20th. Um, And both of them have gone through the NYU program. They're dear friends of mine. And the shows are really, really interesting and fresh and things that I truly, like not even giving them lip service or anything, just truly see that it's needed in musical theater. It's a story I've never heard before. It's innovative. The music is interesting. The book is phenomenal. Musicals live or die on the book. So I'm really, really excited to be producing them and to hopefully get uh, catch some bigger fish um, yeah. through these concerts.
1: I love what you said just about it being rare to have the opportunity to make mistakes or fail or whatever, if you will, because in so many aspects, whether it's in uh producing something writing something going on a fitness journey anything like you're not going to learn unless you have those hiccups and the more you just kind of freely jump into them i think personally in my life i found the better you know the more we can stumble the more we can figure out why we stumbled and how we cannot in the future and and just keep building from there so uh thanks for bringing that up i love talking about things like that
2: yeah for sure
1: so i'll uh i'll be at this concert coming up february 2nd but you said february 11th is the next one after you're performing february 2nd correct in the the jonas brothers uh concert yeah and then yours the next one's february 11th right (laughs) wow you're just like lining them up and knocking them down huh yes I will uh make sure everyone again uh, this is hard and to keep And then the
2: 20th. Straight. So yeah, this is, uh, uh team no sleep for the-,
1: the right? This is hard to keep straight so everyone listening right now as you're listening go to the description of the episode check out all these links and if any of them or all of them sound enticing please uh, support uh Vaibu support the arts and check out some of uh, her work that's coming up Vaibu, thanks so much for being uh, on you. on the episode i appreciate you and uh it was awesome to get to know you a bit more uh you'll also find uh Vibu's instagram handle um website all that in the description of this episode as well so thanks vibu
2: thank you so much
1: all right everyone Vaibu mohan uh make sure you give her uh, a follow on the gram. And please support what she has going on. Thanks again. This is Joe Roscoe, Built for the Sage podcast. We'll see you on the next one. Later.